Heaven's Vault, Hook and Barley. This is Staying In. It is, uh, once again, just the tuna bus, by the way. Just the tuna bus, but different tuners in the same bus. Mm. Am I... Am I the bus, or is the podcast I, the bus? No, I'm... Th- oh, I, d- I d- Let's just stop that there. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm back. Oh, my word. I'm back. It feels like it's been months, and um, yeah. I was hoping for a hero's welcome, mm-hmm. but instead I've got... Just me, the tuna, or the bus, whichever the, it is. Whichever one. Um... Welcome back to Blighty. Thanks. How was how was the wedding? I know we've gone on about it quite a lot, but you were I there. Genuine, I know I was there, but <laughs> I genu I, I feel like we haven't really spoken about it because obviously you guys were a bit all hands off for the honeymoon, obviously because you don't yeah. want to get involved. No. Um, and then since then, I've just gone straight back into work, and this is kind of the first chance I've had to kind of see like how was it from your point of view, very briefly. Well, Okay, uh, well, if I was going to review it, uh, and I will, uh, I'll give it a score. <laughs> it was ten out of ten. Um, yeah. It was re- it was really nice. It was really good. It was very you guys in that it was really like stress free. You wanted everybody from our side of things. You wanted everybody to have a nice time. You guys, you guys weren't too worried about like some. There's some weddings that you go to, and like you know, either either the the bride or the groom is like really worried about like every element of the photographs, or it's got to be perfect, like in in this really specific way. And you guys were really just like, we've done all the preparation, and now we're going to see how it all goes. And yeah. and it was really, and it went beautifully, and it was really nice, and everyone had a good time, and, and the food was amazing, Sam. Was it deep fried halloumi sticks? Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, my God. My God. Um, yeah. Those, so- those little those little appetizers, right? Because luckily the weather was really nice and we got to go outside for a bit. And yeah. at one point, uh, we had, like, as bride and groom, we had a server. So um, <laughs> she was lovely. Her name was uh, Rachel, I think. Okay. And, like, she served us on our table. Like, if you ever want anything, we basically just put a hand up and, like, she just appeared and was like, yeah, what do you want? And, <laughs> um, and uh, they they started bringing the appetizers out. And then Rachel appeared and then she had, like, a really posh platter, which had lots of um, appetizers on. Mm. And she was just like, these are just for you to make sure, like, because obviously... You know, you're going around and seeing everyone. So she's really nice to come out and go, right, these are just for the... But we just couldn't stop people from, like, <laughs> reaching over and just like, oh, here's... <laughs> Bloody hell, she stopped right by us. Yes, get, go, go. Look at, look at all these. They're just on offer. Mate, Phil, Peter, come get on in. over here. She's just stood here. She's not even moving. <laughs> like, um, My, my favourite one of the appetisers, though, was the... Um, they had They had, like prawns mm. with some like leeks or like fried onions and it was on one of those like bendy weird spoons like a oh, spoon yeah. that's really impractical you kind of had to do it in like a shot yeah yeah which is which is completely um uh, distasteful for the wedding but it, oh my god it was it was brilliant um talking about doing things in a shot 
Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this might be horrific. Cool. Uh, definitely is horrific for me. But in Bali, where we went for our uh, honeymoon. Okay, I, okay, I'm already dreading where this is going. Okay. Okay, I, yeah. I, Lisa... Yeah. Forced isn't the right word, but... I, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Who's editing this? Persuaded me to yeah. do an oyster for the first time. Oh, thank God. Like, eat an oyster, I should say. Okay, okay. Um, So, I'm not great with, like, having to yeah. <laughs> put something in my mouth. And yes. then, like, yes. swallow it all in <laughs> one thing. Like, even paracetamol is a bit of a struggle from time to time. Oh, no. Um, so, oh, we, no, we, went to this, we went to this lovely, lovely place. Um, it, was, um, it was called Above Eleven. And um, you went up in this, like, lift and it had this, like, weird, like, hedge maze inside in order to get to the cocktail bar, which is, which is just... <laughs> Which is just disorientating enough to make you feel like you weren't, you know, in a five-star resort in the middle of Bali. You know, you yeah. just, it was just like, it just did enough to your brain to just make you think that you were separate to everything else. And then you had this... Was it also a sobriety test? <laughs> Probably, because that was the way you had to find the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> Went through the maze and then we went out to this lovely um, veranda and uh, had this wonderful like evening view of Jim Baran looking over the Denpasar airport, which is lovely, like seeing planes come in and land. And while we were in Bali, it was kind of the end of the of the uh, rainy season. So it was still really warm, but it was never really the sky was never really clear which i found which i quite liked because you could always see like storms like off into the horizon mm. like developing over the over the indian ocean or the indonesian ocean or wherever it was um so that so, so, so that was so that was lovely and um and i've never understood oysters if you're going to eat them mm-hmm. why just let them slide down your throat because surely where's the taste coming from what's well well, did you find out? Yes, I found out why people do that. It's because fresh oysters are f***ing alive. <laughs> I only found that after I spent about 30 seconds to a minute chewing mine. Oh. <laughs> and, so I, I, and, and since then, I've just had this horrible feeling in my stomach of just like this poor oyster in my mouth. Just like, kill me, please. Just <laughs> kill me. Yeah, I, I, I must admit, like, so I've had, I have had oysters before, and I do like the taste for the like the seaness of it. It is like mm, okay. the old, but I, I have to admit, I'm increasingly not bothered by them anymore for that exact reason that yeah. you mention. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, is a little bit sort of Star Trek. It's a little bit sort of like. You know, we're definitely the alien race that's like these these weirdos eat things alive. Uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, I just I I think there in terms of like the the wonderful bounty of the sea, oysters are really really low down on that. Like, okay, I really want some fish. What am I gonna have? Like, yeah, yeah. Does it die? 
can I cook it? Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> this, is, this is like the basics checklist, really. Isn't yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it dead? Yes. Wonderful. Can I Fine. cook it? Of course you can. Brilliant. Excellent. Brilliant. <laughs> you see, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I definitely, I also never have a hankering for them. I'm never, I never sit down like after a hard days of work, day of work, and I'm just like, do you know what I fancy? <laughs> Do you know what, I fancy tasting something that just tastes like I, I, I took a lung full of seawater, you know? Um, but I, I, I think that, yeah, I, um, I also, that it, it's mad, isn't it? The, the food in the sea, one of the things that, like, it, they get the shortest of shrifts, right? So, like, the other incredible one is lobster, right? Yeah. So lobster, absolutely beautiful, like, really delicious to eat. And all I that had sort of lobster stuff. for the first time in Bali. Right. And it's mm-hmm. it's fantastic, right? Yeah. But oh yeah, it's 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 like really good prawn. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like next level prawn. But here's the thing: there's a lot of science now that thinks that lobsters are immortal. Okay. So, so like, right, I'm immortal now. No. Oh no 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 no. Let's just be <laughs> let's just be clear. There are no transitive properties. But like, oh, right, it, okay. they they think that lobsters can just regenerate and regenerate and regenerate forever. Mm-hmm. And like, again, going back to the next gen idea, like this this race of beings that only lasts maybe I don't know ninety years on average, consume for fun. <laughs> like, like the, the immortal beings the, the, of the sea. Right, right. What a like, what a strange like, you know, next time in the twilight zone kind of a thing. Like, yeah, these these strange beings that lasted a short time. It, these immortals. We went to a really lovely place on while we were in a place called Jimbaran, and it was kind of in this um, area where we had to get like this taxi to get into, and we we're going down this really like tight like streets and we weren't really sure where we're going and then we got to this place it had like loads of like fish tanks in and it was like set up almost like a a town almost like an empty school hall in a way and then we went straight straight through it out onto the beach and they had all these tables set up out the beach and you sit in front of the beach on this table and they're just like right here's here's some menus Here's like the list of of the catch of the day. What mm. do you want? And we got like it was a, it's obscene, really thinking about it. But we got this like platter which was lobster, clams, prawns, crab, um, and like two just fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we had to. But we had to put in other than the lobster. We had to put in a lot of the effort right. <laughs> ourselves to get yeah. into it, and it and it's like one thing killing these wonderful these wonderful creatures and eating them, but there's another thing completely desecrating a crab <laughs> <laughs> a crab shell yeah. just to get the minuscule amount of flesh off it because yeah. we we had no idea what we were doing what we were doing with the crab. That's amazing. Um, and we got this wonderful like before and after photo of like how glorious it looked beforehand, and then just like our oh. ah, complete and utter trash. <laughs> um, oh. And also eating it on the edge of the ocean, just like <laughs> 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 you can just see all like the lobsters and the crabs like clickety click. Oh yeah. my god, yeah, Jeffrey! It'd be, it'd, be, it'd be like somebody turning up to your front door and eating your cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. 
it's kind of cliche to say, but it is just another world. Like it's nothing mm. I've ever been to before. I'm not I'm not a particularly well travelled person. Like mainly the travelling that I've done has been, you know, into Europe and it's not even close to any like of the European cities like we went to mm. last year. There's you know, in terms of the presence of a government, let's say, there is nothing like we didn't see any police people, um, we didn't see any like ambulances or like any sort of sign of like authority or wow. general like governance. Um, like, for example, driving and because so the main, main way people get around is on scooters because it's just quicker, it's just faster, the roads are really narrow. So if you want to like get around, you go around on, on scooters, but there are quite a lot of cars and it's it's kind of brilliant in a way because the rule of the road is I won't crash into you if you don't crash into me. <laughs> and as and as long as we abide by that sense of of belonging and existence in the world, then um we'll get along fine. And of all like the crazy manoeuvres we saw or the overtaking undertaking, like we didn't see one car or one like scooter with a scratch or with a dent or mm. like anything into it. We witnessed like one minor bump um, when we were there. Like it's just this wonderful, like they found this wonderful, peaceful, symbiotic way to go about going on the road. And part of that is is that it seems like the Balinese people have naturally developed a whole lexicon for the car horn. And I know it's kind of a weird thing to get obsessed over, but I I just loved it when I was there. Right. Because it was just like, you know, when you have those moments, it's like, huh. So that is probably what the original intention of the car horn was, in a way. Because here in in Western societies, you're taught how to drive. You spend 30 hours learning to drive. So on average. So when you get into a car, the other people around the road are just like, Obviously, you know how to learn how to drive, so I don't need to bother with you. I'll just concentrate on what I'm doing and trust and know that everyone else on the road knows exactly what they're doing. What the hell are you doing? Like, you idiot. Like, Yeah, yeah. um, Whereas in Bali, it was kind of like, right, I'm going around a tight bend. The courtesy thing to do here is just to peep on my horn just a little bit to let know anyone else coming around the other side of the bend that I am coming. So like, beep, I'm coming. Brilliant. And it's just like, you can overtake me a little beep or like someone's doing a maneuver that might get them into a bit of trouble or a bit of a longer beep on that one just letting you know like obviously <laughs> sometimes it's it was done in it was done in like anger and frustration but most of the time it's like they got this whole like lexicon for that's cool for, for the horn it's just like yep you can overtake me i'm coming now um you know just like just watch out there's there's something around that corner and it's just a wonderful like um I hate to say it's like something that sums up a whole like nation of peach people, but it was just this like this attitude to just wanting and I think it's probably born out of like their their real strong sense of Hindu culture. It's just like the only way to exist is to embrace all things and like you just have to get along with people and love people and and um nurture the things that are around you and it's just like to us, it seems really weird because it just doesn't it just doesn't follow our like strict bureaucracy. But for right. them, it's just like almost like this wonderful, peaceful, serene experience, right. and they've like 
just like, okay, so these are the tools of how to use it. This is all. This is all we need. We don't need anything. We don't, we don't need traffic lights. You don't need anything. Like it's a very, very simple um, mm. existence. Like why overcomplicate things by tests and things like that when we don't need them? We we found this wonderful way of of getting along peacefully and 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 all together. Um, mm. And I think that was just kind of our experience of it. And it's and it's and and it, and, and Bali's a place is just you know magical and. It's really one of those countries that I think everyone has to experience. And I don't know if you kind of experienced it in India when, when you went, just like a completely yeah. different culture. Like- it is literally like culture shock. Very much a space where you start to think, how on earth does this work? Yeah, And, and, and yet it completely does. And, yeah. you know, now, you know, people say, oh, well, travel broadens the mind. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a firm believer that that is the that that is the case. Like there is a, I think a lot of people see that phrase as meaning like you get more you get smarter, but it's more of a or you immediately adopt new ways of doing things. And it's not that it's more, it's more like you see that your way of living is not the only way of living. Yeah. You know, and so whenever I've gone abroad, you know, either for work or whatever, or pleasure or whatever, um, I've always, I've always come back to Britain with a sort of sense of I like the way I live, but I've also, in those places, seen that there are other ways of living, and that might be a fun way of living as well. I think Bali as a whole does have this very like eat, pray, lovey kind of <laughs> um, image about it because because of that movie. But mm. there, there's so much truth within that that you know it's very it's a it's a place you come back from and and like you said, a place you come back from and you just like yeah you know there there are other ways of living that might be less complicated and more peaceful than than this one. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. And the food is oh my god. Yeah, I'll bet. Uh. Oh, still recovering from that. I tell you what, it was great to come home and just have a jacket potato. <laughs> well, it sounds like you had an extremely peaceful time, and um that's kind of trying that's what I'm trying to do as well at the moment. I've talked about it a lot actually, haven't okay. I really? Um, yeah, with your tea tasting, with my tea tasting, with my mm-hmm. um, with my just trying to do less uh, uh, approach to life at the moment, and um, one of those things is uh, I do enjoy sitting and playing on my telephone, but uh, the problem with that, <laughs> what is... just like <laughs> writing random numbers, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just like like, like all the all the all all the key tones sound different um uh, so but like i i find myself i found i found myself for a, for a while now i come home from work or you know i've got a spare hour or two on a weekend or whatever it is and i find i just sit there on my on my couch and i just look at my phone and invariably what i do is i go on twitter or i check my work emails or i do all these other sort of things that don't need to be done right and um and and I end up just wasting hours and hours and hours of my life each week just 
faffing around on my phone. So I've I've made a conscious effort to just delete the things on my phone that are making me do that and to add on some games that I'd like to actually play and to rather than rather than you know check check the abyss that is Twitter uh, you know every every 10 minutes instead I've been like okay I'm going to do something that I want to do and part of that is um I discovered this developer called Rainbow Train uh, Rainbow Train Rainbow right, okay. Train and um okay. And uh, as far as I can tell, they just make mobile games. And I've played a bunch of their different uh, games so far. So um, uh, I think they had a sale recently or they made a couple of their games free. Um, and they're all very good. They're all kind of of a of a kind. They're all what I would call peaceful puzzlers. Like very, okay. th- very sort of mindful puzzle games in which you the object of them as a genre i suppose is it's it's engaging enough so that you do have to work your mind but it's not so challenging as to be frustrating because i think they i think deliberately uh rainbow train is trying to walk this line between they're trying to walk this line of getting you in the zone, getting you into a good state of mind and thinking about, you know, getting into that state of flow that we, that, that people talk about quite a lot. Um, but not making it so easy that you think there's no challenge here, but not making it so hard that you get frustrated and then you're getting stressed out because you can't do the thing and then you're not actually being peaceful and then all of the nice tranquil audio and all that sort of stuff that goes with it and the nice simple minimalist design mm. kind of gets lost on the fact that you know you're rage quitting your phone because you just can't do this one sliding tile puzzle or whatever um and uh so they're all they're all pretty good all of the the ones that they have but the one that so I, I, th- I, th- I think i'm looking is it right um like up left out and yes. push uh, yes. So, all uh, oh, right, okay, I'm on the right. Rainbowtrain.eu. Yes, that's the one. Um, and um, yes, so uh, they've so yes, so they've got f- fun little names that don't quite describe exactly what they are at first glance, and then you go back and you play them, and you're like, oh yeah, that is exactly what that is. Or they're slight, slightly odd, like one of their games is just called Oo or Oo, and like Clocky, which has got nothing to do with clocks or anything silly like that. Um, but the one that um the one that i've absolutely fallen in love with is a game called hook okay now this is not sadly sam because i know you're a fan this is not a puzzle game based on the hit 90s movie of the same name set in the, the bull box <laughs> it's not set in the peter pan universe sadly or at least bring I me peter I will not. Uh, but what I will bring you uh, is a, uh, a a delightful little thoughtful puzzler. Um, yeah, so it is a... So the thing I love about it is that, first of all, yes. it's very easygoing. Like, it is very uh, simple. And the the way that the designer leads you into how the puzzles all work the onboard yes. we we call this at, at the studio I work at the onboarding process 
the way that that happens is the title screen simply has a black dot and a line with another line on it. And when you press the black dot, the line with the line on it sinks into the black dot and vanishes. And then you then are presented the number two and you're presented another of these uh, another of these puzzles uh... and you press them twice and both of them move away. And you're like, oh, okay, I understand that I have to, to complete each level, I have to make these lines recede. So it's a bit like the witness in a way. It's kind of like in the yeah developing in, developing mechanics and like learning things through exploration rather than over time and yes exactly like let rather than saying rather than like here's a wall of text that ex- explains what you need to do it just go it just goes all right here's the simplest version of this puzzle there is no puzzle you just press the button and it goes there we are um yeah and then after that levels three and four and five they start to then add in individual mechanics so the idea is that you want to get rid of all of these lines, but sometimes the lines uh, cross over one another and you need to remove the line that is on top of the line below before you move the line below. Because if you look, move the line below, it will basically like lock in place, right? Yeah. And then there's another uh, mechanic whereby sometimes the line has a little kink in it, a little... Um, a little half circle and another line will be pushing through into that half circle and if you try to move the line with the hook in it the hook will get hooked on the other Mm. line and that that's a fail so and then it builds and builds and builds and builds and by the end of the 50 levels and i i I beat the game it's it's (gasps) well done i know thank you very much it's it's uh it's an hour, I would say, maybe two hours, three hours. Um, but you will... It's, it probably took me more like three, just simply because I'm quite stupid. But, like, um, it is very dip in and dip out. If you play it all in one go, it's not great. Like, it's very... Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't get the most out of it when I, like, binged it. But when I played one or two or three levels, especially towards the end, it really put me in this nice place because you've got this great music really or this great atmosphere just very chill audio soundscape um when you tap the little button you hear it go and then it like like moves the line back in it's quite tactile and satisfying in that way and towards the end like if you'd shown me puzzle 50 at puzzle 2 I would be like there's no way I could do that and I would have just churned off of it immediately but it ramps it up so delicately that you feel confident going into that final puzzle that you can do it and that it is just a case of figuring out the logic that will lead you to solving the puzzle Mm. well it's currently whether it is at the time of release of this but it currently is hooks free on Google Play, so I've just I've just downloaded oh, it. Beautiful, um, beautiful. I mean, it's def it's definitely pop it on your wish list. Sort of. Yeah. Material. Have you have you played Black or Yellow by uh, Bart Bonte? Uh, no, I haven't. I uh, BLK. No, B B L A C K Black. Oh, okay. I don't know if I've heard of that. I uh, think I think if you if that's your kind of jam, then this is like Black is a wonderful. It's the last mobile game I remember, like starting from the start and fully completing. Which, for anyone who's listened to this podcast for a length of time, is pretty much unheard of. <laughs> okay, yeah, 
this looks like yeah this looks like the same kind of thing yeah it's it's a little bit different in the way that like it has one central idea which is to pass each level you just have to make the screen black so the first level is like just has a tiny white square on it and you just press it and it turns black and then you go on to level two Mm. but what i liked about it and indeed quite recently what i've been enjoying in terms of of a mechanic in quite a lot of the games that i've been playing is as each level progresses Mm. how you actually make the screen entirely black or indeed entirely yellow changes Mm. in terms of the mechanics. So the game really is a game of discovery and it offers that same sense of relaxation as you just are encouraged just to play with what's on the screen and, you know, moving stuff around or moving things around or clicking random areas of the screen in terms of trying to figure out, right. So if I press there, that bit, that, I have that kind of reaction. But if I press there, it reverses what I've just done. So yes. obviously I need to do this in this kind of sequence. And it's and it reminded me a lot of, and it's something that I've not yet finished, but, and I bought this for you on your birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, hang on. Oops. Oopsie-daisy. 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 Um... Uh, it, it reminded me a lot of Journal Twenty Nine, um, okay, which I bought you. Yes, of course. Um, which, again, is a, a a puzzle book where you have to try and solve. You have to work out what the puzzle is in order to solve it. Right, and I've just become really enamoured by that that way that like way of design like when you do stuff in like journal 20 29 it's just looking at the page and analyzing it for all the clues that you can that you can that that you can muster and kind of being able to um really relax and examine a puzzle Mm. in a way and I can't, I really like that at the moment. Um, there's something. There's something very not 2019 about about being given the space to look at a thing and in your own time examine what that thing is to understand it. Whereas yeah. in a lot of modern day life. It's simply a case of understand this as quickly as possible, finish it up because the next one's coming soon. Or like, here are the rules of how to complete it. Like, it might get a little bit tougher because of roadblocks you put in your way, but you know the rules. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, eventually you will do it. Yeah. Um, whereas like these games where it's always feels like it's always adapting and and, and it kind of, for me, they're not, like things like this don't really feel like games. They feel a lot more like interactive experiences. Um, sure. Because of the way that you're meant to, both by the way that you're meant to engage with it, but also like how it affects me, especially when I'm not playing it. So with Black mm. or with Journal 29, quite a lot of the the fun I had really was, was just like, sitting down to play a puzzle in black or looking at a, a puzzle in journal 29 so i'm 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 currently like stuck on one of the one of the puzzles in in here 
and it looks like you know a madman's just gone on this because it's a it's a pen and paper book and like all the, the things that I've scrawled around like this one different puzzle trying to work out exactly what it is it has like a an alien skull in the middle and then like a number going around it and I've like dissected this like circle in so many ways and like added up all the numbers from this number to this number and like taken away bits or like you know trying to see how it's relevant and it's just like and it was when I was driving in the car I was like hang on the number around that circle is pi like like Brilliant. I recognize it like it's pi it's 3.41 whatever it is like and it and that's what I love about these kind of experiences just like it's almost and I, and I don't know if it's the same with hook it's kind of like you know that's solvable but some it's just that wonderful feeling of just being able to step away and just yeah, be like it's the it's the it's you have faith in the designer that there is a solution and yeah. it is just going to it is just about it is just about sitting there and thinking about it it isn't a case of like so one of the things i one of the kinds of puzzles that i get really frustrated at is sliding tile puzzles you know those ones where you got yeah. eight, oh, yeah. eight squares and but nine spaces, and it's just like. Uh, and that get- was a one. That was a one puzzle I didn't complete. When do you remember the PlayStation Vita had that um, like playground app or something? Um, when you first got it, oh, and it had like loads of like little like yeah like puzzles on it. Oh, like yeah. the sliding was was sli- uh, yeah it was a one one I never completed and it really frustrated me. I just I just really hate I just hate me. them. I think they're crap. I think they're really crap. Like sliding t- tile puzzles, they're just it's so straightforward and easy. As in in terms of like they're easy content, but no one I don't yeah. know anybody who goes oh you know what I love sliding puzzles. I've heard okay I've what have you heard I've seen on Twitter. Heaven's okay, fault. that place. I thought yeah. I thought you were giving up to well, it. Well, this is well, I'm it. trying to I'm trying to moderate my my the amount I use it. Um I've seen lots of people talking about Heaven's Vault. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand anything about Heaven's Vault other no. other than it's probably gonna be one of those games that gets a lot of laurel wreaths around the side of it. Possibly. Yes. Well, have you have you you've played an Inkle game before, haven't you? I played Eighty Days after you guys recommended 80 it. Eighty Days, yeah, yes. So Inkle um, is a British uh, game uh, company, and uh, they for a long time I've I've absolutely loved the work they do, mm-hmm. and my God, if you know we've already talked about how games can like bleed into your life and trying to figure out things and the effect it has on you mm. and, and on the wonder and the mystery that leads to heaven's vault is for me at the moment it's the absolute pinnacle of 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 that kind of experience right the game starts with you being sent out on this mystery to find this professor who has gone missing and basically the main crux of the game is for as you are playing and as you are trying to unravel this mystery, you are trying to decipher this untranslatable uh, hieroglyphic text. And it is absolutely 
superb. Like I've got a smile on my face just just thinking about what it is as an experience. So so the first time you encounter it, you're in this um, like professor's office and you get handed this brooch and the professor kind of that your colleague kind of explains a little bit about what she thinks the brooch would uh, represent like what kind of person would own the brooch and all this is done in like Inkle's fantastic like language and if you've played an Inkle game before you know they really have a great grasp on dialogue mm. and pacing and structure yeah. and, and all this is borne out in that kind of experience and also this is all done in 2D um like 2d animation that's not really fully animated like it's set in a 3d world but it's but the characters move in this like 2d almost like captain pugwash x-esque <laughs> sort of like movement in the world right and at first it's really really jilting and there's only smatterings of voiceover but the other day i was kind of sitting down and when i and when I think about conversations I've had and when I think about places that I've gone to, I think about it, I hear the voices in my head and I see the characters move in full 3D. Mm. Like the world, how the world brings you in and, and, and how the mystery like sucks you in. Right. You suddenly, it's, it feels so real that whenever I kind of have recollections on it, it feels, it feels real. I don't imagine... Basically, the world around it is doing just enough to make my mind think that I'm playing like this fully realized 3D experience. Mm. So anyway, you're having this conversation and you're talking about this brooch and you're talking about what it might mean and what kind of per- why someone would wear it. And if they're wearing it, what kind of things would it symbolize? And then on it is some text. And you're just doing things completely in the dark. Well, like... So you get the text and it breaks up into words and then it gives you suggestions of what those words might be, like not completely in the dark. But it's just like, well, if it's a brooch, so maybe this word could mean like God or Empress. And maybe this other word means like wealth or friend or something. And like that's the first thing you do. and you don't You don't really think about it. And then... In my story, at least, we went off to this. We went off to this um, uh, other planet to go and look for a clue for this professor, and there was a statue of a goddess looking over this um, rice field, and so there was an inscription on it, and it's like, hang on, that word shares some common shapes and symbols mm. to what we saw on this brooch but we know that she's a goddess so maybe that word is goddess and if she is looking and like from speaking to the people like if she's here as like a protection symbol then maybe that word is protection and maybe that word is is or and maybe that word is water because some of those symbols look a little bit like waves and like um like surf like crashing over crashing over rocks and she's like, yeah, okay. I feel like I'm getting a hold of this. And then, and then we came across a well. And then it was just like, well, obviously that... And we found another inscription. And then it's like, well, obviously that is water. So that will... So that cross-references with what we know about that statue. So obviously now I know 
that that word is now water. Mm. So you feel like an archaeologist. You feel like someone discovering a lost language for the first time. And there was there was a bit later on where we found, and I'm saying we because you go on this journey with this robot called Six. And the robot's <laughs> great because it kind of does a bit of the it kind of does a bit of the expositional things that you kind of need. So like if you find an item, it'd be like, well, my anal- my analysis tells me that this item is from around this kind of period. Maybe someone like this would have worn it, which gives you kind of enough like contextual clues to start forming an idea of what it is. Mm. So I knew that this game was really getting its hooks into me when we came across a uh, a, a case and we opened it. And inside was this like wonderfully resplendent robe which had inscriptions alongside it. And again, we were like seeing like similar shapes that referred to like gods and goddesses and those kind of things. Who so kind of like, well, is this like a pilgrim's like cape? Is are they are they wearing this for prayer? And there was a cup and there was um, a candle or something like very very defined objects right but they didn't have inscriptions on them and i remember like i was sitting there i was like no those would have been like when we found the well those would have been definite things that if we found an inscription we would have definitely known what or had a really strong idea of what exactly these inscriptions were were referring to Mm. and like i felt like that frustrated archaeologist i felt like that frustrated explorer that we'd like really delve deep into something and discovered something only for it to like just lead absolutely nowhere and and have to go off on another another sort of um uh, location to try and discover more so so for me it's just heaven's vault is an absolutely exhilarating experience and i think about it a lot (laughs) and i think about you know the symbols and Mm. what they could mean and i feel like i'm having this really really personal and genuine like experience of discovering this lost language on my own and and i've read um an interview with with inkle in wireframe Mm-hmm. which is a really, really good computer game magazine if you're into design of computer games. It's only £3. It's really good. Mm. Uh, anyway, and they did an interview in that, and they and they said that um, their approach to interactive narrative is that there should never be a failure state because what does that mean to a story? Like, even in 80 days, if you didn't go around the world in 80 days, you could still complete the game but you still had a story like yeah, you that did, you, was your story you yeah. did you didn't fail the story you failed your objective in the story and therefore the yeah. story was different yeah so their approach to heaven's bolt and indeed most most of their games is that they are they are telling a story and stories don't have fail states because fail states presume that there is a right way to do something and there is a wrong way which means there's only one path and if it's interactive narrative then then how can you have branching narratives Mm. when one path will take you to failure or so does that mean you have to like retrace your steps and go back which isn't so they've designed heaven's vault in a way where you can be more right about something but you can never be wrong 
about how you're translating the language. So when I first read that, I thought, huh, that kind of fights at the completionist inside me that wants to know exactly if I'm getting things completely right. But having played it, it is so... The experience of trying to decipher the language feels so personal and so authentic that I don't care because that will be my language. Shall we do the list? Shall we? Should we do the question? Shall we? Oh, okay. Let's, okay, I'm let's, ready for one. All right, let's do a question. I mean, it's, it's been a while uh, since you've done one. So um, this, yeah. th- this comes from uh, at Lithium Project, uh, who is uh, a pal of ours. Um, Hello. And that is via Twitter. You can also send us stuff via Twitter and Facebook at StayingInPod. Uh, you can also email us on StayingInPod at gmail.com. Uh, and mm. and uh, they ask... Go on. Is, I'm ready. Okay. Is there a game you wish you could have got to the end of? <laughs> now, this is... Okay. Now, this feels like a big burn... Uh, like suggesting that we've got to the end of no games. Um, okay. So I guess what's being asked here is: Is there a game that you started playing and then you were like, "Ah, oh, I wish I oh this this feels this feels something, and therefore I'm going to stop doing this thing." But actually, I wish I could have seen it all the way through to the end. Yeah. Or that something you've never gotten around to like i'm i'm with heaven's vault on the thing i'm just like am i ever going to get around to completing return of the Oberdin? Mm. like um especially as there's a new steam world game that's coming out in the next few years oh god well. um which is a deck building rpg no <laughs> um Ugh, can we just can we just uh, can we just wait let let me get to the point where i've released my game and then release no more games because I think we've 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 got enough. We've got enough. Especially now. as that's coming out on the Switch as well, which is going to. Oh my god. Uh. Um, I think there is definitely for me one game that I regret never completing mm. and wish I'd had, mm. which I'd had got to the end of, is Final Fantasy VII. Okay, that's interesting. I was thinking about choosing that one as well. Why? Why did you not complete it? And why do you wish you did? Um, Because I wish I had completed it because um, I'm less likely to go back and start playing it again. Mm. Even though they have just re-released it for the Switch and it's got all the lovely things that all the Final Fantasy games have got in them now, like skip all battles or you do 999 damage every single time and you've got infinite mana and all that kind of stuff yes the the, the, i have a job mode yes like i just want to experience the story mode Mm. um even though it's got all that in it now i feel like my time with it has passed and i don't even know how far i got should I try and find out now how far I got in Final Fantasy VII? Can you? How do you? How can you find out? I'll have a look at because I remember I have a, I have a very very vivid memory of exactly where I was in that game, and for whatever reason I just stopped. I just I must have just like 
stopped playing well, it well, for whatever reason. Well, why you look that up? Um, I actually, I, okay. I actually stopped finishing. Uh, sorry, I actually stopped playing Final Fantasy VII right at the end of the first disc uh, because um, the disc was scratched, and this was the, in the area where you couldn't skip uh, cutscenes. Um, and because the disc was scratched, the FMV video wouldn't finish, and therefore it wouldn't get past that bit. And therefore, I couldn't see what happened afterwards, and therefore, I couldn't get to the next disc. It's an odd one. I've not finished Final Fantasy VII. I never went back. Maybe it's time we both did it. Maybe. I think Maybe. I got. Um, just having a look now. But then I remember doing the snow fields. <laughs> oh my god, I don't know. No, I definitely did. Uh. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. I have such a vivid memory of where I was. I was on this like massive ship, and you could do uh, like chocobo racing and all this kind of stuff. Oh, that's on the first disc. I did that. All right then. Uh, maybe I didn't get that far. Yeah. <laughs> chocobo racing was like one of my favourite things because it was just so dreadful. All right. Um, okay. Well, that well that fills me with a little bit of um, of of optimism because maybe I can go back and and complete it. Mm. Um, other games I wish I I still haven't finished XCOM two, right? Uh, I still haven't finished Dark Souls, mm. uh, and I don't know. It just both of those games are massive time sinks for me. Mm. Um. And also, I'm just generally worried about playing XCOM 2 because I'm, I don't want my beautiful boys and girls to die. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's just like every time I turn it on, it's just like, please let this not be the time, please. <laughs> and the more and the more I and the more distance I put th- between playthroughs, the more I trick myself to think that, oh, I'm going to be so rusty. Of course, they're all going to die. Like this is not worth it. It's not worth me turning it on. Yeah, yeah. It would be like um, it would be like a military commander. Well, I mean, it is literally the military commander being like, all right, I'm going to go on holiday for two years. See you later. And then like coming back like, all right. Yeah. Okay. Where are we? Oh, really mission critical moment. Um, Yeah. I'm a bit rusty, guys. So uh, shoot the baddies. Oh, I don't know. I'm just going to phone it in for the first week that I'm back. Um, (laughs) What was that PSP Metal Gear Solid game? Metal Gear Acid, Metal Gear Acid 2, Metal Gear Acid Portable. uh, Sorry, Metal Gear Portable Ops or... The one I think you're thinking of, which is Metal Gear. It was the one that was going to be Metal Gear Solid Four or Five. It was the one which had lots of all the all the cutscenes were done in like a, a comic book. Yeah, it was. It was going to be. Um, yeah, it was going to be Metal Gear Solid Five, but in the end, uh, they decided that Metal Gear Solid Five was going to be Metal Gear Solid Five, um, mm. which you know, for better or worse. Um, and uh, it was called Peace Walker. Peace Walker, yeah, that's it. Yeah. See, I, I didn't, I didn't get to the end of that, and I really regret that. And even Phantom Pain, like I, I played like the first three hours of that, and just no. Yeah, I wish I hadn't played it. Uh, is it that we don't have the time, or is it that? we are just a lot more sensitive to like just bad 
mechanics and like bad implementation of like story and stuff like that so we'd rather like well i know this is good so i'd rather have that experience than yeah i think i think it it comes back to that thing that we've talked about before which is like for us video games are a hobby and we treat them in a way that we are very interested in them it isn't simply a case of you know we just play FIFA or we just play the latest Call of Duty or whatever it is, which is a perfectly valid way of appreciating video games. But we go off in a different direction of like, mm. of like, we might play those games, but we also are more interested in like Heaven's Vault or, you know, um, Project Zoo or, you know, one of these other games that might not necessarily be like, quote unquote, mainstream, as in, you know, like, I've got friends who play video games that have never heard of half the games that I play, well, most of the games that I play. And it's mostly because, like, they've heard of Assassin's Creed and they're like, oh, Watch Dogs is cool. And, you know, like, they might have heard of, I don't know, you know, they they might have heard of Metal Gear or, like, they might, have, they might know about Metal Gear, but they probably haven't played Metal Gear. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's, the, for me, that's the that attitude is the attitude that I have towards film. Like, I just don't care. I don't mind watching them if somebody goes, oh, you should watch this. And I go, oh, yeah. But like, but it's not, it's not of interest. I think it's part, I think it's a big part of that. Like, we're just like, well, this isn't brilliant and there's only so much time in the world and I know what's brilliant because I've got lots of recommendations coming in left, right and centre and also I've played this kind of game before because I've played lots of these kinds of games. I I, I think, Mm. I, um, I don't know. I'm 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 really in a pickle for my one. I I tend Dead Space Three. Oh, right. that's a good Dead one. Space Three. I'm gonna have that one for someone like I. I love Dead Space. Adore Dead Space Two. It's one of my favourite games of all time. But the fact that Chris and I could never, and we played that game probably for about two or three years. It felt like anyway. Mm. Definitely, we were playing it over a year and a half. We just never ever got to the end of it and that was a mixture of all of all those things of we didn't just didn't have time for it it wasn't very good and we were kind of just playing it for the sake of playing it Mm. but i really wish i would have had that like i have played the trilogy i have done it and you know i've you know respected the designers and developers enough to to have completed that experience yeah I, I, I've got to say, I think my ones probably are, are floating around like adventure games. So I get very frustrated. Like I love Broken Sword because it's it's a mm-hmm. it's a series that is, again, well paced with its puzzles and they tend to make sense. Whereas I'm not a fan of Monkey Island because I kind of find the puzzles really esoteric. And <clears throat> whenever I find puzzles in those kinds of adventure games esoteric, I immediately get turned off by them. So I, I think that. I would say the few games that I'm like gutted that I never really got to finish are like Secret of Monkey Island and mm. The uh, Longest Journey and I wish I'd also completed Siberia. Like I got really into playing Benoit Sokal's Siberia and I was like... this Aren't both of those on the Wii now? On the Switch now? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think all three of them are. Um, mm. And like they're really interesting and really cool and they've got a really neat story but then like three hours in the game's like hey here's this puzzle that 
I mean, there was no real way you were going to figure this out unless you went and fact it. I think those games, I get really into them and then they throw like a roadblock up and I'm like, oh, well, I just, I was really invested in these characters, but now I don't care. Actually, no, I know the game that I'd, I'd, I'd never got to complete and that's Zelda Breath of the Wild. I wish, I really wish I'd got it like everyone else. Right. Like I really wish I saw in it what everyone else has seen in it. But I just I just can't and I really don't like that game and I will never I will never see the end of that game. And I and I wish and I wish I could because because I've no doubt having played Zelda games in the past that it's an incredible experience mm-hmm. and it's an an a, a really rich story. But there will be people listening to this whose idea of translating a forgotten language <laughs> is their idea of hell. So it's almost like taste is subjective. <laughs> but where I'm at in my life now, happily married, yep. sitting down and trying to work out if that symbol means pilgrimage or buried is is a thrilling and and powerful mystery, and I'm very very happy to be going on that journey. <laughs> so that was staying in with Peter Willington. And myself, Sam Turner, thank you very much for joining us for this episode. I know it was another two-hander, but we do love to ride the tuna bus on the odd occasion. And life being what it is, it's just particularly busy right now, but we like to get the job done. If you're busy with your life but would still like to raise some money for charity, then of course we're still running our Charity Miles campaign. You can download the app on Android or iOS And then, once you've signed up, chosen the charity that you want to run, walk or cycle to raise money for, you can join our team, hashtag stayinginpod, hashtag stayinginpod. At the moment, I don't know how far we've run, I don't know how much money we've raised, but I'm sure it's lots and lots. All I can say is the current top five runners in our group of nearly 30 people are in number five, Nicholas, with 216 miles Daniel Frost, the only podder from the podding team of Staying In Pod, is at number four with 225. Matthew Gasson is 232 in number three. Chris, not our Chris, but Chris with a CH, is at 242. And really way out in front is Andy Barton on 320. Um, I do have to say number eight in the group is Brittany Harbage. She's on 178 miles, but she's doing the London Marathon this weekend. So all the best and good luck to you, Brit. The best thing you can do now you finish listening to the podcast is telling one of your lovely, lovely friends about the Staying In podcast and getting them to listen and subscribe. That really is the best way for our podcast to grow and flourish. If you've got a question, then send it into us, stayinginpod at gmail.com, Twitter, stayinginpod, Facebook, stayinginpod, and also look for the Staying In Podcast on Steam and Board Game Geek. Because if you're looking for something to do to fill in some time with your friends or on your own, we have curator pages on both of those sites to help you find the best stuff out there. But for now, thank you very much for listening and goodbye.